three PR machine has started turning again. And I thought it was a good time to return to the subject of Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and Chris Byers killers. The three forementioned eight-year-old boys were killed on May 5th, 1993 in West Memphis, Arkansas. Their three killers, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly, were convicted in two separate trials in 1994. And after their release of the HBO documentary Paradise Lost and its sequels and all a star-studded campaign to free the child killers really caught steam and the West Memphis Three asked and received an Alford plea in 2011 and were released and to talk to me about Damien Eccles as William Ramsey of the William Ramsey Investigates YouTube channel and podcast. Welcome, William Ramsey. Great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. So I really wanted to sort of take them separately. And Dave McGowan has said that the West Memphis Three case has never really been about the West Memphis Three. It's always been about Damian Eccles. Why do you think that Damian Eccles gets the majority of the publicity and the majority of the attention in this story? For a variety of reasons. It's a great question. I think that the, the main reason is that he seems to be the most skilled in talking to the media. And so I think that that's one of the reasons I think also think that he, he, I think his sensibilities are that he can manipulate people is that that's my thoughts. So I think that he's really the, the core member. Miss Kelly's the exact opposite. You almost never hear of Miss Kelly unless he got arrested for DUI, but he's in the background since their release, which curiously enough, it's been 11 years to the day, about two weeks ago. So, and actually Eccles posted that on, on a social media. Interesting. Number 11, uh, I'm sure that was intentional. But I think that his, and also he has the most uh, knowledge. I think that he's, his background in studying esotericism or the occult also puts him out ahead of uh, Baldwin in that regard. So I think his knowledge and his networking in that regard is, is also put him at, at the primacy or the, the front of the three. Yeah. So you said a couple of things there that I want to unpack. One is what is the significance of 11? Well, it's a great question. I, it's really comes out of Western esotericism. And it, I learned about the importance of that number going through Aleister Crowley, which was my first book, Prophet of Evil, which I published self-published 2010. But that was really kind of the prime number for Crowley coming out of the Golden Dawn, and it just popped up all through his religion of Thelema, but it really represents a lot of things in occultism. It's the coming together of the macrocosm and the microcosm. So if you're a magician or sorcerer, you're at the center of the universe, so the five and the six, the pentagram and the hexagram come together in 11, and it's it's in Crowley's Book of the Law, and he repeats this, this numeric... Uh, code within a lot of his statements. So do it thou will should be the whole of the laws, 11 letters. I mean, 11 words, 11 syllables. So a lot of this stuff is really comes through Crowley. Crowley really emphasized that number. And it's still kept into from Crowley into the modern culture. So you'll see that in Harry Potter, Tyler Durden, the 11, uh, Harry Potter's wand is 11 inches long. So that number always is a number of import and it, it transfers into Damien Eccles' own Occult studies. So you'll see him call himself Archmage Eleven, and some of his his social media posts 
just like this post, the 11, which he also posted other Crowley numbers. He's very familiar with Crowley. So you'll see the 93s as well through Eccles. So you're saying that some of his support is from people who are fellow travelers. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. People who are interested in the cult, celebrities who are interested in the cult. Absolutely. I think that's kind of one of the great mysteries, at least in my reading through of the West Memphis 3, when I really started to look into it in 2011. Really when they got out uh, was really when I started. But one of the mysteries is why are all these people uh, supporting Eccles? Why are these people from diverse backgrounds, a lot of Hollywood people, why are they uh, interested in some poor trailer park kid from West Memphis? And what I, through my studies, into some of these people, Depp, um, Peter Jackson, Margaret Cho, uh, Henry Rollins. A lot of them have a very curious backgrounds and interest in esotericism, too. That, for sure, is very, very uh, much so into the occult. I don't, I don't even think I have to say that's my opinion. I think his, his movies and a lot of stuff that he says, and he's envying his interest, interest or... Uh, interview with Eccles too. I have an interview with him and Eccles when Eccles was uh, talking about his book where they're talking about keeping the magic flowing. So that magic is kind of like this magical worldview. And I think they both have that. So uh, definitely Depp is, I think, very much interested in the same stuff Eccles is. It, it, it appears also what's interesting is that Depp was older than the other two. And he's a high school dropout at the time of the murders. And he's hanging out with all these younger kids. And, he, and the, we always hear the West Memphis Three referred to as kids, but he was 18. Right. And he when was I tried, was 18... He was tried was, as an adult. Yeah, he was tried as an adult. But he was so regressed. <laughs> he didn't drive. He had dropped out of school. He had no ambitions to do anything. He, he didn't really hold down any kind of job, had no ambitions to hold down a job, and just hung with these kind of younger high school students, dated younger girls. He was on and, full and, disability. And, right, right. He's full on disability. full disability. Yes. That's what people leave out. He was on mm -hmm. full disability. So he's getting money for the government for his mental illness. So he didn't have to work. He never, to my knowledge, he even did part-time jobs. And he described never... that as a little bit of depression. Would you describe his mental state as a little bit of depression? I think in part, yes. I'm, I, there's been analysis of his mental state going back to 1992. He was in three different institutions or institutionalized three times, once in Oregon, twice in Arkansas. So there's very voluminous records of his uh, mental illness and the things that he was interested in, drink, licking blood, um, talking about the occult. And right. The, right. And so they, they knew that he was interested in these things. And when he went into uh, his appeals process in 2001, there was another, uh, you know, kind of pretty well regarded uh, psychiatrist who looked into his background and verified everything that was going on in 92. So he said he agreed with everything they said back in 92. His name is Woods. And you can look that up. It's uh, the Woods affidavit. So he signed that. See? And. And it said, like all the stuff that he said, that he was totally psychotic. That he was he 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 was open. He was in his jail cell, opening, looking for a wall, a way through his wall to transfer into this next world. Like he really thought he was going to be delivered up somewhere, is what Wood said, and that was happening during the time of the trial. Right. And he that, said that, that, that yeah. he was going to get powers from from Drinking blood, <laughs> other right. beings, made him feel and, like a and, god. And, right. right. Yes. Yeah. In so court. he has a very rich mm -hmm. kind of interior 
mindscape that most people don't have. And he was being taken out on night rides by this being Rosie, who he's communicating with. And right. kind of even the title of my book is kind of a play on one of his st statements, like his misspelling in his one of his scribbles. Uh, he talks about the abonations will be coming onto the earth soon. I am one of them. I want to be the king of freaks. So he had very vivid kind of uh, end of the world type sensibilities or writings. But his his whole psychiatric record is laid out in this thing called the uh, uh, Exhibit 500. A lot of people, that's always glossed over in this case, in the analysis of this case by dupes and people who aren't willing to, who are deliberately omitting certain things from the factual record. And I think that's very questionable when people do not mention these important aspects of this whole saga. Uh, you know, it was something that I was like, why isn't anybody talking about this? About this? this is what happened in 2011. So his psych record is almost like an encyclopedia of uh, stuff. And I think some of his ideas, I think that maybe even to the most present thing where he's up against the system and has played himself against this system might be, there might be a component of psychiatric or psychological makeup that's involved in that even up to the present day where he's fighting against the system for things that he already agreed not to do in 2011 when he signed on the dotted line for the alfred plea i think he he gave up his rights to sue the to sue or any further legal steps taken you know that that was the that was going to be the end of it that he was never going to come after arkansas certainly in a civil case but uh i have to go back and look at that but yeah so his psyche, yeah. I mean, and, and it's still, I mean, the, the, he's one of going in and out of mental yeah. institutions, right. and one of them he gets there the first day, and he and a kid gets a scratch on his arm, and he's running over, he hasn't met him or anything, he hasn't met anyone there. I assume it's his first day, and he just grabs the kid's arm and starts sucking the blood out, and they send him to his room. Right. <laughs> That's an exhibit 500. It's just gives you. So you can talk about, I'm a white witch, I'm into black witchcraft, whatever you're into, but the actual reality of it is something that I don't think anyone in our audience would want their kid involved with. Right, no? I totally right? agree. I totally agree. It, and even admits... Because I, I just hear my book, audience yeah. scream that, well, if he's interested in magic, it doesn't make him a murderer. What would you say to that uh, that that argument? I would agree with that. But I think that, you know, I had this Carl Rashke, he wrote Painted Black. I talked to him, he said, ideology influences action. So whatever ideology you believe in, it influences action. Well, if you're reading stuff about Crowley and eight-year-old boys are the ultimate sacrifice, and Crowley does write about sacrifice in his, in his known published writings in different places, that the animals, you know, give off energy, and you're supposed to capture that energy within the circle... And when you have these ideas, that could lead to the manifestation of these ideas. So I do think that certain points of magic, and, and this goes back to the very beginning of the case, this Deanna Holcomb is one of his earlier girlfriends said, oh yeah, he's into black magic, he'll say it's white magic. And that's in the records. But if you're into that darker aspect of magic, even in witchcraft, actually, you don't even have to be in the OTO, but Eccles kind of is a free-flowing kind of... Uh, Magician, he's interested in druidry and Otiho and a lot of other stuff. He even admitted on uh, in court that he knew everything about it, about magic. But it goes back to the original case. Deanna, he admits this, uh, what I was trying to say before, but in his own biography, Life After Death, he wrote that after his arrest, 
um, his his ex-girlfriend was taken to a deprogramming center to be certain she was no longer under the influence of Eccles and his ideas. And that's what happened. She never saw wow. him. Again. Never saw him again. Yeah. So he admits that. That's on page 179. You can read that. I have to revisit that. I have a copy. Yeah, of I, I'll quote it. I was also <laughs> later told that during the investigation after my arrest in the summer of 1993, he persuaded Deanna's parents to send her to a deprogramming center to be certain she was no longer under the, under the influence of my nefarious spell and that they should contact him at once if they ever saw or heard from me again. That's precisely what happened. And his mother was also mentally ill right. and also dropped out of high school, needed her mother to raise, right. Right, raise her kids. And then she gets with these abusive men. But what is interesting to me reading through, I was just reading through, rereading through exhibit 500, was how consistent echo's personality and how early it was formed from an early age extreme selfishness i don't want to use the term narcissism it's so overused but extreme selfishness so i was looking at a form he filled out what would i do if i won a hundred million dollars who would you share it with no one <laughs> what gifts would you give nothing you know <laughs> it's just so echoes and that's the same person he is today. That's extremely, I don't think, have you ever heard him mention the three eight-year-old boys he's convicted of killing of by name? I haven't. No, I don't never. Never. No. It's, it's really one of the glaring omissions in all of the interviews. He never mm -hmm. talks about them. He never uh, expresses a thing of, of anything about sympathy for them or thought or emotion or any type of, uh, you know, normal kind of, pathos for the deaths of those three kids it's totally out omitted it's really and telling i think it's that's telling. Set up. And when he's asked about his sister being he says oh my sister is being molested by my stepfather but i don't care about it i don't care about that and i was thinking about he's also beat a dog to death starting right. fires but if he beat to death a dog on social media any celebrity or person would be person non grata they would get Right, tomatoes grow everywhere they right. go, but kill three eight-year-old boys and be convicted of it twice, and you get to walk the red carpet with Johnny Depp. It's such a weird dichotomy in our society, no? Yeah, no, it's very strange. It's very strange too, because like the the Hollywood elite is uh, so performs these these virtue uh, outpourings that it's very strange to see this, and that's why I included in my book the kind of like cost celebrity killer section. Or include a couple guys like Unterweger out of Austria and uh, Jack. What was it? Jack. I can't remember his name. But these guys who they had all this celebrity support and they just went on to keep killing again. Jack Abbott, um, you mean? Jack Abbott. Yeah, thanks. Mm -hmm. Jack so, Henry Abbott. Jack Henry Abbott. Yeah. So uh, that's why that's that part is in the section of abomination, which I mean, it's almost it's 10 years old. man. It's been a decade. I can't believe it. But since I published it. But uh yeah, no, it's amazing how, how many brutal things that Eccles has been involved in and fights and stuff that they just gloss over or, or ignore. It's it's remarkable. And it's even his own words. So do you think that Eccles is a good liar or a bad liar or, or, or an average? I think that he's good at manipulating people. I think that that's really his skill is manipulation. So I don't know if he's really that great of a liar in that regard, but I think he's a great manipulator. I do, 
my opinion. What's funny, do you think he's a good liar? I do. I, I found him very convincing when I was a supporter. I found him very convincing. So I tell you, maybe I've, I've been a dupe. But if you well, I didn't. I thought they were innocent. You can too. catch him yeah. making inconsistencies from one interview to the other. So here he's on Piers Morgan saying, "I never got in trouble." Here he is in another interview in prison saying, "Oh, Jerry Driver was my probation officer." Is yeah, he was right? a PO. Yeah, my juvenile probation officer because I got in a lot of run-ins. <laughs> So his supporters watch both those interviews and never raise an eyebrow, never think to themselves, hmm, that's a little bit of a different story. And he tells wildly different stories. We really weren't from West Memphis. My teeth had 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 gotten all damaged in prison from the guards beating me up. You know, and there's his teeth looking pretty good shape. So yes, what happened? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, he told that one whopper where he don't give yeah. him that. But yeah, I don't know. He, I don't yeah, know. well, I like the one one whopper where he was getting beat up and he was afraid, like he knew that he wasn't gonna get stabbed. That like he knew after. Oh, he when out. he was watching a comedy show in New York, yeah, he knew he yeah. wouldn't be stabbed when he was on death row. When he was on death row in a single cell, right? <laughs> Who's right. stabbing him? Who's yeah. stabbing him? It's, oh. yeah, it's preposterous. I mean, so so I mean, I think why is everybody does, so credulous? Why is everybody so credulous? Right. Like right. It may not even be his lies, but what it's like the it's the it's the duality. Like, why is everybody so credulous on somebody who's been convicted, appealed, the appeal failed, no uh no writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court failed, everything failed in in the law, but why can't why do people believe his his story? That's a really I think that's as, as an important question. The believability of these mockumentaries. I guess it's the they think it's a documentary is actually documenting something is may, maybe the thing like they don't know that these are opinion pieces, not documentaries. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I used to think that you I used to think that there would be some sort of law <laughs> against just lying. And obviously there's not a law to, that that is against lying in a documentary that you would get some kind of pushback for lying, but there's no correction. And it's a major no. problem with our press, yeah, not just no, our, our documentaries, but. Totally agree. He looks so, you know, we, we saw him in, in prison looking so clean cut. They really kept him. And you pointed out that he would say the same things over and over again in interviews, like as if it were scripted. Yeah. Uh, who do you think was scripting those things? Do you think he was practicing them in the cell? Were they things he thought up? Was it something so. you think it was Lonnie Surrey feeding to him these kind of ideas? Or where do you think they came from? I think at some point that they realized, the West Memphis Three realized that these documentaries had created this swell of public sympathy. And at some point, there was a switch where they got, in my opinion, Lonnie Surrey or somebody from PR to train them, either their lawyers too. Like when they started getting the, the this great lawyer, I mean, Reardon was like an appeal, like a noted appeal specialist. Like some, they paid big dollars, my understanding, Jackson and Depp. So once they got these higher powered intellects, something happened in his story. So I did show in one of my videos, which got censored. I don't know if it's still up. It may be, but like he's repeating the same thing with almost the same facial gestures. 
like he looks away like he's re- referencing his memory like it's a good fake uh but um something did happen so i think that 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 that's that's why that happened in 2003 2004 leading up to 2011 they got somebody intelligent and i think really helped put that proper face forward and got sympathy from you know what's the fbi agent uh, the fbi profiler what's his name douglas some of these guys the sympathy john douglas yeah. john douglas yeah so I think that I think that they had to have somebody PR, whether it was sorry or not. I'm not aware of that. Interesting. And so, what would you say to someone who was a West Memphis Three supporter who really believed in Eccles? What, what would you read the court documents? That? Read the court yeah. documents. Just start from the beginning. Look at what people had. I mean, look at what the police worked on. They always have these kind of, you know, lines. I was convicted for a crime I didn't commit. There's no evidence. <laughs> the you know. Well, look at all the evidence. They're doing the work. The cops did the work. You can see them compiling. Just They interviewed like half of West Memphis. You can just see the interviews with these girls, the women. What do you know about Eccles? Do you know who he's with? The Bly interview, the Climber interview. These All all these statements are there. So in the 500, exhibit 500. So I think that if you're able to read, I think that the kind of scales can fall from your eyes and you can see this. I mean, and also I think, I think the, that people get blinded by these terms like satanic panic, because mm. once they kind of apply that concept to this case, then they can't see what's right in front of their face. And actually, that's a kind of an Orwell statement. The hardest thing to see is what's right in front of your face. And omission is the greatest form of lies, another Orwell statement. You can apply those to the West Memphis Three. But <clears throat> I think that that's what they, they see this as kind of like an injustice automatically in that it involves satanic panic and there's nothing to be afraid of. And so then the certain parts of that evidence, they don't, it doesn't register in, in their minds is my thought. So even intelligent people um, kind of, in my opinion, make mistakes about, about the West Memphis three. But I think that you have to go back and read. And I think that's the difference in these different mediums. People get their information from the TV or podcasts that have very low integrity towards the facts and then that just gets spread around kind of like a virus. So I think that that's what, that was the success of the West Memphis Three, was really getting these memes to go out there. It's almost like a form of mimetic warfare. Some people likened it to a spell, a guy I talked to. And in a way it is, like there's people are uh, under a spell. So they have to go back and look at the case and look at the facts and look at all this stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the conclusion is also very disturbing. Like it's probably very hard to think for people that these young, this young would be that savage, and so I think that's another thing preventing savage. And I think for for me as someone who believed all this, is that you have to ask. Well, if this is untrue, and if our media supported three child killers, universally, find me a mainstream article. From the right. West Memphis Three campaign on when that started up, when that PR campaign started up, right. that's critical of the West Memphis Three. If that is, if they're printing things that are totally untrue, what else are they lying about? Right, right. And I think it really is an indictment. It's an indictment of HBO. It's an indictment of the directors. It's an indictment of the media, the journalists. I mean, to look at this, it's like everybody dropped the ball and. I think that 
I think that that's really the case, in my opinion. I mean, I don't even think that's right. opinion. Like they left out so much. Like even John Douglas under under scrutiny, his book does not hold up. It's, it's just he says they were never they never got into any trouble. Right, <laughs> patently <laughs> false. So when you start a, a profile based on total falsehoods, you're going to come up with a wrong conclusion. No, I mean, he, he wrote in his book, I see nothing in the record that's indicative that these three are violent. Just like you're just like, oh, what? Like, what but, are you saying? I mean, you can see this in so many different ways. It's like a kaleidoscope. If you just turn it a different way, you see a different design. So in one way, you could see it as satanists supporting other satanists in another way if you turn it you can see it as the public's insatiable need for an unusual story so unfortunately three kids killing teenagers killing eight-year-olds is not that unusual but three innocent people convicted in two trials uh, for satanic panic, for being different, we're wearing black now. Now that that has some villains that are palatable for the American public. They don't right. like the they don't like the cops, or some people don't. You know, there's a majority like of the this, system of yeah. this right of this audience that won't like the cops, especially young people and people who are bucking authority. And it gives you sort of an outsider against the system story. That I agree. I, I think that they keyed in on that. I think that's a consistent theme in Eccles' uh, PR approach. Is always, you know, the man got, you know, I was, I was tried for different ideas, and you know, the man is out there and corrupt. He keeps calling the system corrupt, 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 corrupt. And when I look at everything, <laughs> I just saw, I saw the people doing is... their jobs under hard, difficult circumstances. Exactly. Like the, the judge held firm all the way until he got transferred. They got out because their new judge sat down. Lazar knew. DA, but that Barnett or Burnett, he held fast all the way through all of that, the maelstrom of uh, this negative PR and people belittling him and stuff all the way to the end. He didn't change. Mm -hmm. It's it's just amazing. And they're putting in these kind of DAs, these DAs who will, they just got rid of, um, I'm going to mispronounce her name. She's in Tennessee DA, Amy Weisrich. Sorry Hmm. if that's a mispronounced, but she was a great DA, but they put in one of theirs. The Innocence Project did a big push and she got ousted. So, and they put in George Gascone, your DA oh, in yeah, Los Angeles. Right. He He's admitted that Soros, they created a, a pact of millions to put in these kind of DAs. Chesa Boudin. Right. Chesa uh, Boudin, who just got out. Right. Who right. just got out. Yeah. But uh, no, it's a disaster. You know, it's really attack right. an attack on the system. I think Innocence Project Kimberly and that's part Fox of Eccles, in Chicago, and, you know, right? Yeah, she's a disaster. Right. right. I don't know how in you New guys York. can survive right. in the big cities, man. I don't know. Right. It's we're it's going to be a kind of disaster all around, though. But they're yeah. going to put these in as much as they can, and, and um, we're going to see the results. It's going to be. I, I just there was a. Yeah. There, I, I think mean, just sorry to interrupt, but I think um, DeSantis actually kicked uh, one of the uh, Soros guys out, I think in Miami or somewhere. No, it was uh, Tampa. Tampa's DA. He like forcibly removed him, which is very unusual. Wow. He said he just wasn't following the law. Yeah, he kicked him out. Excellent. Within the last couple of months. Good for him because this is, this is a crisis. 
if it's not a crisis now, it's going to be a crisis. You know, you brought up some Ms. of the videos Kelly. from New York. It looks like Escape from New York. It looks like I'm watching Escape from New York. I have to like look at the out of the, is this movie streaming or what's going on? Like it's zero bail. Uh, people like people can know they can commit crimes because they just right. not going to pay bail and get out. It's crazy. It's crazy. And crime is going up and up and up. And there always will be these apologist news stories. Like you may think crime is going up by right. <laughs> your look own at this police eyes. abuse. Yeah. I feel sorry for the cops. I really do. I'm super sympathetic to cops. I was right. always pro law enforcement. I'm super sympathetic. Like you Me guys, too. these guys in New York and LA, like they must just be like biting their you know, fingernails off or something, going crazy, having to work in that environment with the DEAs not supporting them. It's off the charts. Right. You brought up Miss Kelly just before we go. I just don't want to leave this out. All three of these child killers have confessed. Now we talk about Miss Kelly so much because he confessed so many times. Right. Recorded once. too. Recorded. Right. Recorded. Audio three recorded confessions. And, uh, many more after that got convicted confessed all the way in the back of the cop car. We could just go over all those, but Echoes also confessed to the softball girls. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and that was one of the key elements of the entire trial was that these girls were at between their, the commission of the crime and their arrest. That was uh, May May 5th to June 3rd when they were arrested. He was at a softball game saying, I killed three, I'm going to kill two more. He actually said he was going to do it. He was kind of like boasting and bragging. And so that was on the trial, they didn't show the girl's face when she walked up to the court. At least they didn't show it in um, Paradise Lost. But there's the recording of her saying that's what she saw. She said, I have been writing. She testified. The jurors believed her to be honest. And uh, so that was one of the key things. And also the Hollingworth family saw him, yeah. He called those girls a liar, liars on the stand, too. And then he admitted later that he said it, but it must have been a joke. Tell me the joke. Into I'm gonna yeah. I, I killed those three boys and I'm gonna kill two more. Right. What, what where's funny. the where's the punchline? I don't yeah, know. Maybe I'm funny. lacking in in humor. Is there anything we missed? But there's so much there. Like his whole involvement of the cult, of the cult has been left out. There's a key component of the trial. Alistair Crowley. They had a copy of the uh, you know the book by Crowley, Magic and Theory and Practice, which mentions the ideal killing as an eight year old child, which was brought up. And then all the way up to today, I think he's just publishing a book with his girlfriend, wife, or whatever. I think it's called Ritual. So that they're going on a book tour still. Um, so he's just been putting out material, 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 still training people. And uh, I think that the, the occult, and then that, so the, the denialists who say the occult is not a component of this trial are deluding themselves and others when the occult and Satanism and Crowley are critical, key, central components. Because it was his, I mean, even if you think it's nonsense and you don't, you don't have to believe in the occult to believe that there are some crazy people out there who do or are interested in it. I think it was very interesting that Damien Eccles and his supporters said, oh, no, it was just Wicca. And now he's a Buddhist. And then when he got out, it was like he let his freak flag fly and (laughs) and then came out and was photographing. Alistair Crowley's door and right in New York City, right? Right, one Washington place. Pronunciation of it of his name, Crowley's door, and and make and posing, posing like Crowley, including statements, axioms from Crowley, 
going through and knowing he knows a lot about the history the post Crowley history he knows about Marjorie Cameron he's taking pictures with her artwork of Jack Parsons so he knows a lot he's definitely knowledgeable like he's he's reflecting knowledge that I knew from writing Children of the Beast so he's very much and hanging out with Genesis P Orridge which is like super telling like that is incredible right um, admit, admitted in SK 931 he called he Genesis P Orridge his mother that man, his mother. So, so I assume his be, spiritual mother. I mean, all these Satanists seem to have spiritual mothers, spiritual brothers, spiritual yeah. that like a spiritual family. You know, no, they like do, and that, that's why I called the book "Children of the Beast" children because within the occult, if you're a magician, you kind of have these magical children that are your. They follow you, so like Crowley had these followers, like Parsons would have been uh, Crowley's child magical child so that theme presents itself as like a family concept within the magical community which is real there's just so many books out today i think uh, magic is probably going to supersede christianity or whatever the national religion is sooner than later um so it's kind of absurd to think that these people don't take it and any any ideology whether you're a nazi or a communist can lead to really horrible crimes like the nazis were just vicious and communism in certain countries were murderous. It was murderous. Go back and go to uh, Cambodia where they killed a third of the population Ooh. to get to their, you know, paradise. So um, ideologies and ideas do lead to certain outcomes that are negative. If it's a, what do you as think is, I'm sorry to interrupt. What do you I'm think just is, saying that people don't think there's a connection between thoughts and ideology and actions in the real world are deluding themselves. And there's a, I mean, we can get into to like uh i don't get there but you know some of these people they're it's not absolutely doing their homework true, but they're not we, doing their homework yeah but it's very easy to say we do things for no reason at all or whatever you know uh but there are certain people who are, are very motivated by this kind of ideology so echo said and said at the end of his own documentary he endeavored to be the greatest magician of all time and that he was attracted to magic from a very early age so that's his worldview. That's his outlook. Is that, and why do you think this particular ideology is dangerous? Well, I mean, if you're talking about kind of the selfishness, I mean, I think Crowley reflected it very well. He was very selfish. He, he believed in doing what you want. That was his dictum. You're kind of the center of your own universe. Hated God, hated Christianity thought they were a god there's no god but man that's Crowley's dictum so if you're making those decisions on a worldly basis that are totally selfish self-serving the consequences of that uh in your personal relationship towards other people you don't really care about other people it goes back to stuff you just mentioned about what if you made a billion dollars or whatever so mm -hmm. i do think that, <laughs> that magic you wouldn't give it to anyone right <laughs> So magic can have maybe, I mean, they're definitely the part of this magic is they're trying to communicate with spirits. They're, 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 they have a spiritual worldview. Like mm -hmm. a Christian is pray, or Jew, Jewish person, Judaism is praying to God, right? Or paying to Yahweh mm -hmm. for, you know, with a communication, like I would like to have this, please heal me or something. Christians do the same. I'm like, um, but these guys are praying to different entities, beings, dark gods, the devil, um, Crowley definitely is an admitted devil worshiper. He just was sophisticated enough to disguise it and call the devil a wasp. He used mm. a different name. 
but he admits it in, in magic and theory and practice who AWAS is. He just had a very Crowley was very sophisticated, very intelligent, and very well educated. So these ideas, I think that the, the just to say that these guys are communicating with entities and beings that don't have a Judeo Christian, I don't really like that term. They don't have a biblical worldview. These guys are talking to entities who take him on night journeys and lick their hands and tell them well, they're going to do great things in the future and things like that. Wouldn't you say also that there's no morality in it, that that your morality is whatever you make it, so there's no yes. rules? So, And, and yes. you mentioned the selfishness, so it's just, I, I think that's very dangerous. Do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt right. should be the whole of the law. That's very dangerous. And all kind, I mean, what, what does that mean? Like Crowley meant total freedom from restriction. So these restrictions that we have, the, that means even the law. The laws are put in place from experience. Like this is why we have laws, so that people don't, harm one another so they're not injuring they're not cheating each other these are all moral decisions in Wisconsin in the law well according to the Crowley and his followers and people like Eccles that stripped away do whatever you want be your own god so I think that's very dangerous I, I would that's why I think that magic there may be like a nice side for the public and these people get duped into it but you get deeper and deeper in there um yeah the consequences I think are immense I agree. And is there anything that we missed that you want to talk about? You know, I just think that Eccles is still out there. I think that um, you can go and read Abomination. It's 10 years old. I still think it's old. It's uh, excellent. It's a very easy read. I didn't. I don't write my books. There's nothing uh, obscure. I'm anti-obscurantist. It's laid out so you don't have to go through the trial record and kind of piece it the timing together you can just follow through what they found so you could actually follow the investigators through the investigation through abomination and uh yeah i think it's and all my you can go to my youtube channel i've done a lot of interviews recently and a lot of reading into the record some of the court documents on william ramsey investigates my podcast so you can check that out as well you've also made some great short videos on Eccles, pointing out his lies his relationship with depp and it's so interesting, you know, even among the Amber Heard supporters who will point out every single one of Johnny Depp's other not too great associ associations like with Marilyn Manson, but they won't touch Damien Eccles because if you just put the word innocence in front of it, then it's just like it's like this magical, powerful word. word. All the evidence against him disappears and his two convictions disappear. So it's amazing. It's magic. It's magic. <laughs> it is. And do you believe that magic helped get him out? He believed it. He said magic, magic, magic. He didn't have law or evidence on his side, according to him. He said what got me out was magic, magic, magic. So he was using magic. He's, he has a book called Wine Magic. I don't know what he's getting into people's brains. I don't know. But he seemed to, it certainly wasn't the law and the facts. And certainly, they certainly did a great reversal. I mean, isn't that the ultimate Satanism? I mean, the Absolutely. the they're the the perpetrators are the now the victims, yeah. and the victims yeah. don't exist. <laughs> so, it's amazing. very dark. It's very. I mean, you really start putting a lot of the stuff together, it gets very dark. So, I agree. Uh, William Ramsey, thank really you sweet. so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sorry, just keeping it short. That was.